Noah, All-Star Weekend is here. Dunk contest, three-point contest, skills challenge, rising star, uh, all-star game. Are, are you more partial to one of those things over the other? What, what do you look forward to in All-Star Weekend? I do like the three-point contest. I, it sounds kind of odd, but I like that there are a lot of competitors, and it feels a little more like you win the three-point contest. You shot the ball pretty darn well on, on the night. Uh, and you're a legit three-point shooter. Of course, every single three-point contest, the best shooter among the group hasn't won, but they've sure uh, performed well on a big stage, and I like that aspect of it, but you can't go wrong with the dunk contest. I think there have been some disappointing or underwhelming ones in recent years, and mm -hmm. perhaps the names that we'd all want to see sit it out, but... I still think it's pretty spectacular stuff. And the one pet peeve I have is just when someone will take, you know, six, seven, eight tries to actually make a dunk. Hate are out of the balloon. But other than that, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a dunk contest guy. I think it's uh, pretty amazing how these guys are leaping over 40 inches in the air and also being extremely creative while they're up there. Uh, and it's definitely not something I could imagine myself doing in a million years. Yeah. Ready to build career skills in 2023? Apply to Wilmington University today and get started by March 6th. Learn more and apply at wilmu.edu. Upskill, reskill, or start fresh in 2023 with a degree or certificate from Wilmington University. Wilmu works for you. Apply today to start March 6th. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. yourselves a round of applause you made it to the all-star break welcome to the sixers talk podcast brought to you by Wilmington university won't you work standing Pommel, noah levick ben barry you know the guys we're here hanging out talking some sixers basketball noah uh congratulations to you you made it to the all-star break as well fantastic stories and writing and coverage always dropping knowledge on the podcast props to you sir thanks uh yeah Ditto, ditto to yourself. Uh, it's definitely a lot, um, a lot before the break. You know, it's it's not exactly the second half of the season. The Sixers have already played almost sixty games, and I think uh, players and media alike are appreciative of the All Star break. Obviously, it's not a complete break because we'll be tuning into the All Star game and Mac McClung's dunk contest on Saturday night, but definitely a little drop off in intensity for a few days and uh, i personally do not mind that we will be tuning into the all-star game it is the best all-star game in sports um at the very least but will we or won't we see joel Embiid in that all-star game we'll table that discussion for later in the podcast but here we are uh with 
um, players so excited to uh, get to the All-Star break. None of them came to the podium last night. Um, so they, I guess they were all talking in the locker room. Uh, we only got uh, Doc Rivers at the podium, but um, Joel Embiid with some interesting words, nonetheless, that we will get to, as I mentioned. But here they are, the Sixers, strolling into the All-Star break with a four-game winning streak thanks to a W over Cleveland Cavaliers, who are on a seven-game win streak. Um, Noah, you, you had to feel like this team was trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory a bit there in the second half as this 28-point lead they had dwindled to four. Um, definitely a theme of the early half of the year here or first half or, you know, two-thirds of the season that's gone now. Um, frustrating uh, watching that and, and enduring that. Doc Rivers feels like they started the All-Star break at halftime. And it was just the final buzzer that helped them win the game. Uh, a funny comment from him afterward. But enduring another one of those has to be a little bit taxing. It, as as a as a person observing, of course, the players uh, get taxed doing that. But as one observing, that has to be a little taxing. I think we're very used to it. For me, there was there was never a concern that the Sixers would lose the game. It was more just would it ever get past that point of, oh, the Cavs started making a little comeback to the Cavs, you know, posed a serious threat to the Sixers. And it most definitely did. Uh, Cleveland kept playing hard, forced a lot of turnovers. And as we always say, when the Sixers let these big leads dwindle, they hurt themselves a lot. Just time after time, fouling Cleveland, which of course stops the clock, gives the opposition free points, and just really a huge drop-off defensively after an outstanding first half. Again, there's always some shooting luck that tends to be involved when you build a big lead. The Sixers started out 6-for-6 six six from three-point And Tobias Harris uh, was doing his thing, knocked out a couple of early ones, and I think that was nice to see for the Sixers after the uh, struggles of late that we've discussed for him from long range. But the team was fantastic uh, just across the board, I thought. James Harden throwing those hit-ahead passes and a couple of explosive bursts off the dribble. And uh, the defense was most definitely locked in. Paul Reed had another really nice stint uh, defensively as well. And then just, yeah, they were ready for the All-Star break and assumed, ultimately correctly, that a 28-point lead would be insurmountable, but it was tighter than it should have been, and I don't think uh, the conclusion to that game was especially satisfying. But the bottom line is 38-19, uh, not a bad record to have heading into the break, and I think it is important that they go into the break on a four-game winning streak because there were some real concerns that I think bubbled to the surface during that little two-game losing streak. And sure, those concerns haven't entirely dissipated, but uh, the Sixers have overall elevated their level and I think can justifiably feel pretty good about themselves as a team now with uh, a few days to rest and recalibrate. And the rest and recalibration bookended by two national TV games, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday when they come back. So the test will be there as long as, as well as a tougher schedule when they get back um, here for these last uh, remaining games. And 
you know, last night we got to see, as Noah mentioned, the Sixers at their almost very, very best there in the first half. You know, the way Harden was dishing the ball and it was flowing off of his hands. Uh, the passes were just uh, just so satisfying to watch and a treat to see him, the uh, league leader and assist, do his thing. That's such a high clip. Uh, the league leader in assists, the uh, second leading scorer to NBA or first, depending on what night it is. So uh, a great first half overall, uh, overarchingly, when you think about it. And we got to see a great milestone for Joel Embiid last night, Noah. Uh, 10,000 career points for this guy who started his career in a gigantic uh, Cameroonian colored cast and is now the quickest sixer and 343 games to get to 10,000 career points. Which is, which still extremely fast. Yeah. 373. 373. uh, Which adds up to slightly under uh, 27 points per game. And obviously the last couple of years, he's over 30. So if he ultimately hits 20,000, who knows what that average might be. He might be up at, you know, 29 points per game, which is just wild. So Incredible that he's done it that quickly. And obviously, if we're also making the Allen Iverson comparison, Joel Embiid is a lot more efficient. Uh, he draws fouls really well, like Iverson, but also uh, just makes more of his two point shots and is a, a better mid range player statistically. Better free throw. Uh, is, is a three point thread and uh, has just turned himself into such a tremendously well rounded offensive player and scorer. Uh, so he knocked that milestone off early and then didn't have the easiest night, but uh, turned it on, I think, when the Sixers needed it. And there was legitimate alarm that they might actually blow this lead uh, on an after timeout play. Of course, Doc Rivers gives him the ball at the elbow, goes right at Jared Allen and gets a bucket through contact, uh, scored a couple more times down the stretch as well. And the Sixers needed that because they just were not getting any stops. But relying on Joel Embiid to score the ball for you has very often been a great solution for this team and 10,000 points. Um, yeah, nothing to scoff at. That's not easy. The, the one time I can remember that uh, in recent history for the Sixers is JJ Redick did it um, a few years back. And obviously Redick, a excellent career, uh, you know, amazing three-point shooter, but took him a lot longer than uh, Joel Embiid to to hit that 10,000-point mark. Yeah, and it's just, you know, amazing to think about, um, just give you a moment to kind of reflect on where Joel has come from and picking up basketball late and, you know, the injuries and the late blooming and, you know, um, learning to shoot threes from uh, watching YouTube. And, and it's just – an incredible basketball story to see, you know, where he's come. Hopefully that can get culminated, you know, with a championship and he can stay a Sixer for a long time. I do have feelings that if the Sixers have another one of these scary, you know, second round, first round exits that he could want to be elsewhere. Um, But as it stands right now, uh, it's just remarkable to think about all that has gone into his career to get to this point along with the easygoing nature and the way he has become such a fan favorite um and the really the superstar the Sixers have wanted Sixers fans have asked for and he has delivered um in a lot of ways and hopefully that transcend uh translates into the postseason 
yeah, uh, he, he's on the same page. He, at this point, when he hits these milestones or gets some sort of accolade, just says, that's not what I care about. I, I care about winning and I, I care about playoff success and, and championships. So uh, understandable, but I think if you're not Joel Embiid, it is also totally appropriate to take that step back and just recognize how improbable this was at some point when he was not playing basketball until he was a teenager and uh, sitting on that Sixers bench and watching his teammates lose a lot of basketball games and and all of that. Um, It's funny, you know, we have a little process reminder here with Dwayne Dedman back in Philly, and he talked uh, yesterday morning about how the facility now in Camden is a lot nicer than his 20-day stint in 2014 when he was at PCOM and the Sixers did not have as, as high-tech a setup. And, uh, yeah, now he is backing up Joel Embiid, and uh, last night was just soaking it in from the bench. Uh, Paul Reed, as I said, remained the Sixers back of five, but uh, a little process, um, you know, member is back on board here in Philly, and uh, Joel Embiid is the process that, that remains – an entirely apt nickname for him just uh, when you look at the journey and how far he has come. And he, obviously he hopes there's there's a long way to go in terms of the postseason. That that remains his uh, ultimate goal here and uh, totally fair enough that he's not that focused on, on much of the other stuff now. Uh, it's really about the playoff success and he gets it. More Sixers talk in a minute uh, in Joel Embiid's comments about the All-Star game. Plus, uh, whoo, a Philly native going off last night in a way that will continue to make you hate uh, some things about the process. But let's talk about this pace of a few, a few bills here. Talk about our partnership with uh, Rivers Casino. Uh, you know, we're there a couple of times a month with live podcasts and it's time to rush to new rewards at Rivers Casino. Now there's a whole new way for you to earn, redeem and level up your rewards. Get your new rush rewards card and get more out of your game at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Injured for over 70 years, Lundy Law has been the number one personal injury law firm in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Delaware. Their services are exemplary. Their results are exceptional. Call 1-800-LUNDY-LAW to get the money you deserve. Opioid addiction is a national public health crisis. The Someone You Know podcast from the Independence Blue Cross Foundation offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma, offer hope, and humanizes the disease of addiction. Download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So, um, Joel Embiid is focused on the postseason, as you mentioned, and the individual awards don't mean as much to him, but he does take a lot of enjoyment out of NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, we've seen him be the focal point of uh, his team's uh, offense when they need to get a bucket and crunch time. We've seen him shine on that national stage. This will be a sixth All-Star appearance. Uh, he will be starting as the injury replacement for Kevin Durant. Is that right? That is correct, yep. Okay. And uh, But some interesting comments after the game about his health, whether or not he'll be in the All-Star game, whether or not it's worth him playing. I'm sure fans would like him to prioritize his health over playing in the All-Star game. But talk about those comments, Noah. Were you there in the locker room when he was saying that and your perspective on what he said? Yeah, just based on the tone of the comments, I would be very unsurprised if he uh, sets this one out. I think there's just so much context here where obviously there was the one season where I believe 2018-19 he played in the All-Star game and then the first eight games after the break he sat out because of this uh, left knee injury that bothered him throughout the year and throughout the postseason. It just doesn't want anything similar where uh, participation in the All-Star game could possibly lead to, to anything negative down the line for him. And then, of course, he's miffed openly that he wasn't initially selected as a starter, and I don't think he feels the need to do the NBA any favors by by playing in the game if he's not 100%. Uh, he has been listed as questionable. I, I'll be looking it up, but I think it's like nine straight games. and. I'm sure externally there's some skepticism about how valid that is, but regardless of whether he's indeed been 50-50 every game, he has been legitimately dealing with a nagging foot injury for quite a while here. And this has been going on since November uh, when he missed the games with the uh, left mid foot sprain. And then it's been listed as left foot soreness since then, but he said to us it's the same issue that that has just continued to bother him for a really long time here. And sure, he's continued to play at an astoundingly high level, despite not being 100%. But the All-Star game is not worth any risk whatsoever. This is not even comparable to, oh, should he play in Sixers versus Rockets when the team probably doesn't need him. No one needs anything from him here. And based on how he was framing the conversation, he seems to see it the same way. And according to him, the Sixers medical folks have told him that the best way to improve his health is to rest. And he would sure like the opportunity to do that. Now, perhaps, you know, theoretically, if we're cooking up some best case solution, maybe there's a middle ground where he jogs around for two or three minutes and then takes a seat on the bench, and that's his night. So he's at least not entirely a DMP, but uh, we shall see exactly what the final call is. You know, it would be a bummer, I guess, for guys on the fringe if Embiid was a late scratch and then there's no injury replacement. But for the time being, he he just says he's unsure. And the way I heard it and read it, uh, there's a very good un- 
good chance that unsure means no, he's he's not going to play in this game, and it's just not that important to him when he compares it to the Sixers and wanting to do the best for the team and also recognizing that his health is the utmost priority here. Yeah, Sixers fans, I'm sure, are looking for him to sit this one out. If there's any inclination that he feels like he could aggravate any of these existing aches and pains. Um, and seven days is significant. Seven days of no basketball, seven days of, uh, you know, treatment, uh, rest uh, can definitely, you know, change the dynamic with how that foot feels, you know, late in games or how long it takes to kind of get warmed up or, or whatever the, the issue is specifically with how he, it, it makes him feel. I'm sure it could, it could change depending on how he treats these next seven days of no games. But, um, hey, look forward to Mac McClung. You know, Sixers fans aren't getting hard in the All-Star game, but they do get an exciting player who's now on the roster in some aspects and who we could probably see on the floor at some point, maybe late in the season um, with the Sixers. So McClung is going to be in the dunk contest. He'll be in that Rising Stars game. Uh, representing the G League. So, hey, look forward to that. Uh, and we've seen Joel and enjoyed him at these games in the past. So give the big man a chance to to rest and recuperate, and we'll see him, you know, against Memphis next Thursday. But um, I, there's still plenty of, of stuff for Sixers fans to enjoy besides seeing Joel Embiid in the All-Star game. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with him sitting it out, and I hope he makes the wise choice instead of letting, you know, his uh, eagerness and desire to be on the floor with his peers, you know, take over. Yeah. To be clear, I don't think he's been told that every game you play, there's a significant risk that you aggravate an injury. It's more just look, the way for your foot to be less sore is, is to rest. And he said, the doctors told him he should have been resting and he's, he's kind of been defying that advice and trying to push through to the break. But it doesn't sound like it's at all likely that he plays in the all-star game and something, you know, knock on wood disastrous happens uh, regarding a foot aggravation. It's just more the prudent decision here based on the medical advice is to sit and to give himself a slightly better chance of feeling a little improved when he, he next plays an actual meaningful game. So that's the way he framed it. And I agree with you that sitting out the game does appear to be the logical decision, uh, but he has not stamped that quite yet. He says it's still still, you know, up in the air. But yeah, as far as Mac McClung, I'm not not sure. I agree that we'll be seeing him in like multiple Sixers games. We saw, for instance, Julian Champagny, uh twice in a Sixers uniform in garbage time before they waved him. Uh, Lewis King, the other two way player, has has not appeared as a Sixer yet, so. The two-way guys have been pretty Delaware exclusive this season. Uh, maybe that will be different with Mac McClung, and perhaps the standings will play a factor here if there's some scenario where the Sixers are not going to be anything besides the three seed with four games remaining, then uh, more of the fringe players get minutes. But I do think uh, in all likelihood, most of his minutes will remain with the Bluecoats, but Nevertheless, it's a guy in a Sixers uniform that the organization obviously sees some positive qualities in uh, besides his dunking. But I think everyone recognizes that 
the dunking is spectacular, and no doubt, I think for fans, it might be a very cool thing to see uh, a sixer win the dunk contest. And there's only four competitors; they're all very young, and uh, Mac McClung is a well-seasoned dunker, so uh, he's got a shot at it. Six foot guard out of Georgetown, well, you could do worse, right? Uh, for a Sixers guy. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to we don't want to slight him on the height. Uh, he is. He's six two. He uh, he passes the six foot mark, but yeah, he of course uh, looks up Dallin Iverson. Uh, not literally, but you know, was an inspirational figure to him. And Iverson has uh, been supportive of him over the years. So AI will be tuning in, and uh, I think everyone will be curious to see uh, whether he can uh, throw down some some great dunks. But uh, no George Niang in the, the three-point contest. Uh, I know we'd mentioned that as a theoretical possibility, but uh, some bigger names like Jason Tatum you know, got, got the nod there. So I think Niang will still, uh, still enjoy the rest, and uh, he'll, be, he'll be soaking in the action. Uh, James Harden, yeah, will not, you know, will not be there, which is uh, a total shift from the norm for him. And speaking of guys, you know, wanting to get out of there and, and head on to their break, he had his bags uh, fully packed minutes after that game and uh, I think is ready to transition to a little time away, though he also uh, said that he does plan to get some work in and, you know, fine tune his game to the extent that's possible. Uh, but time off his feet certainly won't hurt either. Uh, this is someone who a couple months ago, you know, came back from a significant injury. And uh, I think rest for James Harden and for all the Sixers is well-earned. Uh, but Harden also, yeah, he was, he could have just said, oh, I, I need to decompress and get away. But he uh, took a pretty serious tone and saying, no, I want to, I want to work on my game. I want to um, just address the areas that that I need to improve. So. Um, that was that was cool to hear, but I think nevertheless, uh, the bags being packed uh, tells you that Harden and all the Sixers and everyone associated with the NBA uh, is ready to have a break here. Um, getting back to the big fella, I think you make a good point about um, whether or not he was necessarily 50-50 with those questionable tags or what his status was because – our producer of Sixers pre and post game, Brian Brennan, noticed a really funny thing with the line on last night's game where the Cavs were one and a half point favorites at one point, and then it swung to, in the Sixers direction to then making them two point favorites. But th that was like later in the afternoon. So as if that they knew maybe that Joel might not play or that he was because he was questionable, that changed the line or how questionable he was. And then as his, you know, maybe they got more information that made the line go in the Sixers' favor. So just just interesting, just something, an observation that I thought was had some merit to it. So um, who knows uh, exactly, but. Yeah, for me, obviously we've, we've done a lot of trying to read the tea leaves with him being and his availability. When I see him, you know, we got let in the very end of shoot, very end of shoot around the reporters and when he's out there and smiling and looks good and doesn't look at all physically incapacitated, that's a, that's a strong indicator to me that he's, he's going to play because there've been many instances where he doesn't participate in shoot around and then will play. So if he feels good enough for that, I think that does tend to tell you a decent amount. 
And then obviously when he warms up at his normal time, uh, isn't grimacing or doing anything outwardly concerning to me, that's another little mini box to check. But I know the folks uh, in that sphere are, are doing their best also to, to read all of that. Um, but I was a little surprised to hear about that as well, because I was not sensing anything uh, indicative of him be, being unavailable. And he indeed, as he said last night, was determined to push through all the way to the All-Star break, uh, especially with this matchup, I think, against Jared Allen, the Cavs, a good opponent that uh, the Sixers wanted to test themselves against and beat. Uh, so that is always very odd, um, a very odd world, just just trying to <laughs> predict Isn't it though? Uh, Isn't it though? Trying to predict it. And, and as I said, I feel like I've got – I figured it out a little bit, but um, he can make it tough on tough on folks because sometimes the body language uh, you shouldn't read into it. There are there are times where he warms up and he looks horrible, like his hands are on his knees and he's breathing heavily and uh, just looks way worse than his norm. And then he'll go out and score forty five points. Mm -hmm. uh, but with the availability, uh, it does seem increasingly like the shoot around both him doing it and him being out there afterwards and looking good and happy. Uh, that does tell you a lot. So I'm not trying to give any, any tips to folks, but that would be one personal observation that I feel solid about uh, at this stage of Joel Embiid's career. And I think the bottom line is whenever it, he has a say, he's going to push to play. Uh, and He's done that until the All-Star break, and now we wait and see uh, whether he will participate in the actual All-Star game, but he will not be pushing to play in the All-Star game. Uh, I think that much is clear. Yeah, last night, national game that ESPN picked up, uh, making it a later start time and um, a battle against a team directly beneath you in the standings. Uh, it, it had all the harbingers of Joel's going to be out there on the floor. But speaking of the standings, third seed for the 76ers, um, just three games back of Boston, two games back in Milwaukee. It's tight right now, Noah. And the Kevin Durant trade, Kyrie Irving trade, has a lot of people heaping dirt on the Brooklyn Nets and speaking of their demise. But last night, someone we know very well decided I'm going to show up and show out and put this team on my back in any way possible as Mikhail Bridges went for 45 on 70% shooting from the floor, Noah. <laughs> it, boy, he finished the game, gave his jersey to his mom, sitting courtside. It was one of those nights for a Philly guy, Nova guy, um, former Sixer, uh, just – I, that just blew my mind when I saw that and looked at the highlights and saw the way he was cooking, just doing it in the flow of the offense and so efficient, um, good rebounding and assist numbers to go with it. The team gets the win. I mean, what, 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 what did you find out about Mikhail Bridges night and what'd you think of it? Yeah, I've, I've not had the time to perhaps dissect it as much, but yeah, there was a little buzz about it afterwards in the Sixers okay. locker room and Oh, in the locker room. Okay. Yeah, and not not like everyone was talking about it, but I don't know. Someone mentioned it and okay. got passed along the line that he had scored forty five points. Uh, yeah, cool, cool stuff. And 
I thought back to watching him uh, as a high school sophomore, maybe at a uh, Garnet Valley when he played uh, Lower Marion at the Leah Chorus Center and very skinny kid and clearly had room to grow, you know, as a player and you know, physically, but you could see immediately that he was someone who intuitively just knew how to play the game, knew how to be in the right spots. Uh, had some natural leadership qualities and had this immense potential. And I think it's neat to see, you know, as a Philly, you know, the Philly basketball perspective, just how he has gone about fulfilling so much of that potential. And I think exceeding it as a scorer. I don't think entering the NBA um, would have expected 45 points from Mikel Bridges, but of course he's got really good size and length for his position. And just this knack for uh, finding the right places on the floor offensively and defensively and just this consistent, diligent work ethic where uh, he can shore up some of the weak spots in his game or he can find the avenues to improve as a, as an offensive player. Uh, I mean, I know for a while there, I had some, some concern with his jump shot when there was some quirkiness with the form and, whether he'd be able to maintain that and still shoot it at a high clip and whether he'd be able to get it off uh, decently in the NBA. But uh, he, I think, works so hard and um, is so intentional about fine-tuning his game to uh, to help his, his team win. He's, he's always been a winner, right? And he'll hope to do that in, in Brooklyn. I think the task looks you know, challenging for the time being, at least – projecting ahead to, you know, will the Nets be making a run to the finals this season? I think uh, their odds have dropped a ton in that regard, but uh, this is not looking like a team you should count out come playoff time. And perhaps there'll be a difficult first round draw for uh, whoever they face there. And Mikel Bridges will be, will be a huge reason why. And uh, it'll be exciting to see, you know, in the years ahead, what, what his ultimate potential is, you know, as a perennial all-star all NBA kind of guy. Uh, I think if scoring 45, uh, then yeah, you, you probably can't count that kind of thing out. Right. Uh, absolutely. And um, I, I was very, uh, I was a very big proponent of the Sixers getting out of that four or five matchup and trying to avoid Cleveland in the first round. And as we kind of knew, it's really not going to be any cakewalks in any of these matchups, whether it be the two, seven, you know, maybe the one eight, uh, but uh, it's just going to be some some tough matchups, and you're going to have to beat some good teams in order to reach uh, the M- Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals, get past the second round at least for the 76ers. Let's just start there. But um, uh, yeah, d- don't be careful. Don't heap heap too much dirt on Brooklyn just yet because uh, they got some some guys who are are just you know NBA players and, and ready to show up and prove people wrong. So. Uh, we'll be with you every step of the way. Enjoy the time off here. No 76ers basketball for a week, but a big game coming up against Memphis uh, when they come back. But we will join you next week with more on the Sixers Talk podcast. For Noah Levick and Ben Barry, I'm Danny Pommels. We'll see you next time. We're brought to you by Wilmington University. We'll be working.